How are you doing, Mary? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, for uh, allowing me to interview you because I know you are you have been uh, very active uh, trying to help parents uh, homeschool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, you are involved in some uh, uh, legislature, you know, uh, um, some bills that right now is in our legislature. And so I kind of like to have your uh, to hear from you and also um, share that with uh, our audience. Um, sure. So, well, let's start with uh, education side of it. When did you start to promote homeschool? Well, um, I started. That's a great question. Uh-huh. I started actually homeschooling my own children when my daughter was going into third grade. Oh, wow. And so she's now a sophomore in college. So that was a fair <laughs> been a while. time. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so what uh, made you uh, decided to homeschool your daughter? Well, we had um, been in a public school and we had a great experience there for her kindergarten. And then we moved and we were going to a private Christian school, but the the level of education just wasn't there. And with the cost of tuition and there was a lot of clickiness at this particular private school. Um, So we just felt that we could do a better job at much less expense. Um, I had never planned on being a homeschool mom and I didn't have anything against it. I just didn't know much about it. Uh Um, But we really did believe that this was going to be the best option for her and my younger sister. So we did, we took the plunge. We went to a small homeschool conference where we looked at the different curriculum that was out there. And of Mm. course, at that time, there wasn't even close to what parents can choose from today. Right. Um, but we took the plunge and it really was the very best thing that I think that ever could have happened to them. Right. We were able to, um, offer an education that was geared specifically toward their interests. We were able to go at their pace. Mm -hmm. So say in math, for some reason, one of them really had a hard time learning positive and negative numbers. She Mm -hmm. just couldn't get that. So we just stopped and worked on that until she mastered it. And then we moved on and it worked out. You know, she got fractions Mm -hmm. fast and we just whizzed through that section. So we were able to adjust the pace of her education to match what her specific needs were. Yeah. Um, And really it just... Someone had told me when I first started homeschooling that I should write down my goals for the homeschool. And I think that was the very best advice that anybody could have given me because um, it's very easy to compare your homeschool to other people's homeschooling experiences. And every child is different. Every child matures at a different pace. So to compare yourself to other people can be a really deadly trap. Right. Um, so for us, my goal was for them to love learning and Mm -hmm. it was for them to be equipped with the skills that they needed to become independent learners. And I would say that we, you know, we accomplished that. Um, my oldest is getting a degree in chemistry with a focus on applied research. 
Mm. have another child who's going to major in science education. And then my youngest is probably going to be pursuing mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. Which I laugh because I am a writer and I'm all humanity, <laughs> government and art. And I didn't get any kids who were interested in any of those things, but that's okay. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah we, we'll never know, right? right. <laughs> and also right. kids definitely are different, even though they grew up in the same family. Yes. Know, with everything same, but they, they develop different, uh, different uh, interests. Right. And they, they do have different uh, talents. Correct. Mm. Yes. And that was our goal. So we were able to, even as in their high school years, they went to a public school part-time mm. so they could participate in sports. Right. That opened up an opportunity to take AP classes. I was also able to schedule some job shadowing experiences for some of my kids who weren't quite sure where they wanted to go. So I was able to do that with the flexibility that we had with the time. It was a wonderful journey. We um, visited lots of colleges, helped them discover maybe what their interests were right. and what the right. best fit was. So it was fantastic. I highly recommend homeschooling high school. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, so uh, since when you start to help um, other parents to homeschool? Well, I started looking at that right around the time when COVID hit and a lot of people were getting very concerned about having their children in the classroom. I was getting lots of questions from people. So I developed kind of an introductory seminar that people mm -hmm. could attend. <clears throat> and the goal there was to help them understand, really, I kind of looked back and said, what would I have wanted to know? Before I started homeschooling and what would have been helpful for me. So it, it, it's an interactive experience where parents are writing down their reasons why they're considering homeschooling. They really do a little bit of a dive into their own learning um, mm -hmm. and teaching styles and the learning styles of their children. So we cover that. We talk about curriculum options that will match right. and help them find that balance because what their friend might work and she raves about a curriculum might not work at all for them right, right. so that's my goal so I have a seminar that I do for that and then I also meet with people individually mm. to help them and that's maybe my favorite time because then I get to sit down and meet with people one-on-one -on -one oh that's great them. Yeah. figure out where they want to go and we can talk about co-ops you know the benefits and the challenges of those and um, any types of extracurricular activities and if they tell me ahead of time I can get them um, connected to say if it's drama or music or sports and just let them know what's available you know homeschooling has just exploded right so there are so many opportunities for people to get their kids plugged into activities that just didn't exist before right right yeah i mean uh yeah especially because covid uh, and uh, a lot of parents uh saw that there was not much uh teaching going on uh well not much academics going on uh, in their kids' schools, but they're kind of afraid to like homeschool them. So what do you say to people like that, parents that they, they don't think they are uh, equipped? 
they are absolutely equipped. And there are so many ways to get involved in homeschooling. So when I first started, I wanted the comfort of a published curriculum where I didn't have to do a lot of planning. I was going to mm -hmm. be homeschooling two children, and then I added in a third right. later. And so we opted for a very sort of scripted, prepackaged plan. Mm -hmm. And that worked really well for our first year. So I literally did very little prep. I just opened up the folder. Right. It said on this day, turn to this page in this right. book and do this activity. And I really appreciated that sort of safety net. Mm -hmm. um, other people might feel more confident to just launch into doing some schooling on their own. There's also a lot of virtual options um, and online options so that you can be in the room and guiding and coaching, but you're not really responsible right. for developing an academic plan. Right, exactly. So it really comes down to, I think, helping you determine what your comfort level is. And the other thing that I really want to focus on with parents who have had that maybe entry-level experience is to begin to move away from a curriculum focused education and move toward an outcome or goal-based um, mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the reason I say that is because life happens, right? right? And you're supposed to be on week 10, day, you know, day three, and you're back at week seven because something happened in your family. And I think that women get, you know, most of the people I work with are the moms. Um, they get really stressed about that. I've fallen behind. Right, right. And you haven't fallen behind. You have, first of all, you have all year to get in your 180 days. Right. Um, but you have to stop and think, if I'm rushing my children to get through just so I can check off the box, mm. that's not really education. No, and you're no. not taking full advantage of the opportunity that you have as a homeschooler. Right, right. Um, or if everyone's getting stressed, it's the middle of the year, the, the interest has waned, you can take a break right, and exactly. you can go do a nature walk. You can yep. go do a field trip. Your goal is to keep their hunger for knowledge um, fresh right. and just plugging through a curriculum is if it's if it's difficult for you and frustrating for you. It's going to be right, right. Exactly. exactly. So you can kind of test that sort of gauge of everybody's emotions and mm -hmm. ability and interest. That's not to say that you just neglect the curriculum altogether. Right. But you have so many opportunities to just impart your love of the world. Mm hmm. And, and for Christians, I just highly recommend it because you can talk about faith. Right in every aspect of every subject and mm -hmm. help them understand God's design. Exactly. So yeah. You can build in Bible memory. You can talk about missionaries. There's so many things that you can do to help impart your faith. Right. To your children um, that they're just never going to get in a public school. Not in public school. Yeah. There, uh, one thing I like to say is that uh, homeschooling is not schooling at home. So we're right. not going to bring public, I mean, the school back to our home. That's totally, I mean, that's the wrong way of doing it. Just like right. you, you said earlier, every, every child is different and their mental development is also different. And everyone will have some bad day or some good days. And right. the advantage of homeschooling is that we can accommodate for that. 
Yes. We can adapt to that. And and also the 180-day requirements are actually pretty easy to meet. Oh, very. Yeah, because you can just go have family vacation and the, they can have a an hour or two learning something. I mean, even to take a walk, right? Uh, just mm-hmm. hike and just see what's going on there. Identify different plants and trees. I mean, that counts as education. It absolutely does. And it that goes back to the goal-based education as compared to the curriculum-based right. education. If your goal is to help them become aware of the wonders of the world and you walk through a, a trail and you stop at a creek and listen to the water and see the little bugs on top of the water and talk right. about them and journal about that, that's going to inspire a whole lot more love of learning. And when you go back into the classroom, you can identify the leaves and the bark and talk about those things, but they've experienced it for themselves, right. which is so much more powerful than just reading it. In a yeah, textbook. exactly. I think this is what I see a lot of uh, public school uh, students. Uh, they lack the real life experience. Yes. Everything, all, all knowledge is, is just book knowledge. They've never been able to apply it or to I mean, do something with it. When my kids were little, so I set up these little learning stations for them. So, you you know, science can be as simple as for the early elementary years. I had these little totes and I had a little chart and I said, does it float? And my daughter, I just had all kinds of different objects and she could just play in the water. But by playing, she was learning about different things that float. And we could talk about that. And um, does it stick? So we had magnets and we did things with <laughs> magnets and it was very hands-on. And I do think that's why they're interested in science now. Right. Their science education wasn't boring. Yeah, it was fun. And yeah. Right. And, and I think you actually uh, uh, talked about it is like the, the, love, the love of learning is mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, help uh, your children to develop that. And that is what I saw uh, in public school and also in private school that uh, a lot of kids, a lot of students, once they're done, they just hate it. Right. And they just, they don't want to do anything with it. I mean. Right. Whereas take my daughter who had those early learning experiences that were very hands-on. And the other day she said, if I could just do math and engineering all day long, I would be so happy. So she's found her passion and she wants to pursue that. And she has the confidence to do that. Very good. Um, And the nice thing about homeschooling, I want to add one more thing is that you can adjust the pace of your day. So I know a lot of schools have taken out things like recess and that's terrible. Terrible. Children's brains need a break. Right. Um, and their bodies need to move. They were right. designed to move. So we sometimes would do math in a tree. You know? yeah, yeah, they yeah. would climb a tree and they could read their book or do their math homework outside in our yard right. um, or on the swing set. They could swing and then do a problem and then swing and then do a problem. So my kids were very active. And I think especially for parents who maybe have kids who may have had a diagnosis of ADHD or other types of things, or they're just high energy kids. Right, right, right. 
homeschooling is the very best thing you can do for them because you can let them move. Right. Get that energy out in a healthy way. They're not going to get in trouble for not sitting in their seat. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I do think, and then one of my kids was always getting in trouble for reading in school because they would have on the board a list of things that you could do if you finished your assignment and reading quietly at your desk was one of them. Well, she is the type of reader that she just immerses herself in the book and right. everything else sort of disappears. Yep. So she wouldn't hear the teacher say, right, right, right. Yep. Get away your math books and get out your science books and she would be getting in trouble for reading. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, the, the school, the, you know, the schedule, I mean, mm -hmm. You, you move from one subject to the next subject, and that is not natural. Right. That is more the result of, you know, uh, 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 industry revolution, the, the mass um, uh, manufacturing, that kind of model. But as a, as a people, uh, especially as a child, um, we don't want to be limited, restricted by the, the schedule. Sometimes, like, I... I would get interest in math. I spend the uh, you know the whole day on math, mm -hmm. and someday I just like to read a novel. I just read an hour for that day, and that is very natural to us. Exactly, and that's the other thing. One time we were studying the Middle Ages, and my kids had an assignment to create a castle out of recycled materials, huh. and they just went crazy with that. Right. And developed all of these ideas and glued and, and spent several days sort of camped out on these medieval castles. Right. But they learned so much about them in the process of that activity. And I didn't stop it and say, okay, you know, <laughs> we have to submit these to this showcase and whoever's not done, that's too bad. And we're moving on to this topic next. We could explore that until they were they'd had their fill right right yeah and the, and the, i think well later on definitely you know, we have to learn how to manage our time but mm -hmm. i think that is more when we get into you know high school mm -hmm. and uh, college but early on we shouldn't do that right we give them time to explore and i know that there are families with multiple children and they have to follow a certain schedule. And I think, you know, you have the right to do that and design your program to whatever works for your family's rhythm. But I always recommend that you plan in time for play. You plan in time for quiet right. reading. Yeah. Plan in time for um, running outside and getting some of that energy out. Um, we would design... Um, snacks so the kids could have their snacks while they were doing their school and they would each take a turn developing the snack for the family oh. and they're learning about nutrition they're learning right, right, about right. portion size about um, how to serve other people there's so many things about life that you can incorporate into your homeschool that they're not going to get no they are not yeah they're you know five to eight hours at right right yeah, well, and especially now, it become uh, a lot of public schools. Like, I mean, nobody like to be there, right? right. The student they don't like to be there. Teachers don't like to be there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, this is what happened in Chicago, right? Those those teachers don't want to teach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody likes to be in the, in the school, and that's how how the kids spend days. I mean, no wonder the the kids just you know get bored and get you know. I mean, it, when you get bored, your your brain won't work. You mm-hmm. have to be learning, yeah. I want to say one more thing about homeschooling that kind of brought that to mind, your comment. Um, we never really did a lot of testing. Mm. We, um, in Indiana, we have some of the best homeschool laws right. um, so that we don't have to have our kids taking a lot of standardized tests. Right. And that was wonderful for us. It was very freeing. We all get to the same point eventually. Right. There's not this pressure to all be at the same place at the same time and the kids who are developing later right. really get hurt by that system they get right, right, right. as late um, learners and they're put into a different you know kids are sort of segregated by their learning abilities um, and homeschooling takes that away so my kids really didn't do a lot of testing and my oldest daughter her very first standardized fill in the bubble kind of test was the PSAT right. when she was in high school. And mm-hmm. she did very, 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 very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's, that's, you know, an anecdotal piece of evidence that teaching to a test is the, is the worst way to teach. Oh, it is. It is the worst way. And, and we are not supposed to do that anyway. I mean, the test, I mean, ISTAP, for example, not iron those kind of tests is supposed to be a kind of snapshot uh, about what uh, the kids have learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not for you to prepare for that test. But unfortunately, now schools spend a lot of time preparing for the test instead of actually teaching. Well, and I will say, you know, I would not want to be a teacher in a public school. They have a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. Um, if they're not achieving at a certain level, their school doesn't get certain funding, um, their schools are rated now, so there's pressure from the principals that's put on the classroom teacher. Children are coming in with all kinds of issues besides um, just their learning needs. Right, so right. I'm, I'm not trying to bash teachers necessarily. I'm just saying that if a parent has the ability to homeschool their children that is the very 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 best educational model that right. you can yeah. create definitely yeah yeah i mean uh and also that helped develop uh the relationship between mm-hmm. parents and children uh now one of the things when i was teaching at private christian school uh which one thing kind of uh made me sad is that I asked my my that's that's a, a senior cl- a senior class. Ask them uh, if you want have to make a, a life changing decision, who do you talk to? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole class, most of them said they're going to talk to their best friend, their peer. Mm-hmm. Only one student said uh, she's going to talk to she's going to talk uh, to her mom. Mm-hmm. And that to me is pretty sad because you know those kids growing up in church and uh, good family, but they don't have that uh, relationship with their parents. Right. Yes. 
And I think that in some ways we have robbed families. Mm -hmm. by, this is just a little bit of extra commentary, but with all of the different activities that are available to kids today, they're going all the time. And homeschoolers can fall into the trap just as much as public school kids. So we want them to be in music. We want them to have opportunities right. for drama. We want them to have opportunities for sports. And then in order to be on this particular sports team, you have to be on the travel team if you're really going to go anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, families aren't sitting down at the table together anymore. Everyone's exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. They just turn on the TV for an hour and then everyone plops into bed. So there's not that relationship building that I think God really designed for families. Right, right. And that's a caution for homeschoolers just as much as anybody else. Yeah. The advantage that homeschool families have is that they do have that time during the day right. to build those relationships. Yeah, yeah I know uh, a couple of uh, homeschooling um, families that uh, the parents have their family business. Uh, mm -hmm. So the kids are involved in that part, in the family business. That you know, build up a relationship and also teach the kids how to run a business uh, later on. Right. Yeah. And that's something you can pass on to your children. What a wonderful skill. Yeah, exactly. You be an entrepreneur and manage a business. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, so uh, how do the parents kind of get in touch with you if they need some, uh, you know, Right. So I'm on Facebook um, and I have a um, Facebook page. Oh, well, they can do two things. One way is to get to my website and that's called simplelifeandhome.com. Simple life. Simplelifeandhome.com. Okay. Um, and that's probably the best way to reach out at first. Um, mm -hmm. They can also send me an email and I get email at maryjane.bogle at mm -hmm. gmail.com. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so either one of those would be great ways to reach out. And um, yeah, I would love to meet with any parent, either who is thinking about homeschooling, um, just to help them walk through all of those issues and gain that confidence to take that first step. Right or to meet with moms this time of year, especially who are feeling completely overwhelmed. They haven't accomplished what they thought they wanted to accomplish by this point in the year. Their children are acting up and not behaving and it can be just a lot of pressure. Right. And I wish someone had pulled me aside and said, you need to relax, mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay. Right. Let's take a look at what you really have done right. and we can make a plan moving forward to what you still want to do. But even just what you've done so far is probably way more than what you think. Right, exactly. And, and also, uh, it's easy for us to uh, fall into uh, uh, linear thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, they say, okay, the kids haven't done anything in the past uh, four months, therefore, they won't do much on the next four months. But that's not how things goes. Right. They may not learn much on the first four months, but if you build up the foundation, then the next four months they can fly through pretty quickly. So, Absolutely. We have to be that. yeah. 
My kids, when I was teaching them how to read, they all hit this point where they just didn't want to do the lessons anymore. Right. right. And so we quit. Yep. And I gave them little websites that they could go to where they could play games with letters. We had magnets on our fridge. We had a literature rich environment and they were still learning sounds of letters and playing with language. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't in the form of the book that we were going right, through. Exactly. Yeah. And then about maybe two or three weeks down the road, they were the ones who came to me yeah. and said, I think I want to go back to those lessons again. I'm like, great, here's the book. Let's keep going. And then they each hit a spot where they just, when they decided that they wanted to learn it, it was like we hit warp speed and they right. were Yeah, exactly. Right through, yeah. And that was on their timing. And if I had pushed those lessons, then I would have violated my number one goal for my homeschool, mm. which was to encourage a love of learning. Yeah, exactly. It's not fun exactly. right. <laughs> to force it. Now, I get it. There are some times when they just need to learn to obey. Right. And everyone needs to do a certain activity. And there's a place for that. Um, but as much as you can adapt to the pace of your children, that's a much better way to go. Right, exactly, exactly. And also um, the way as humans, um, how we, uh, we always relate things. Mm -hmm. So our experience is coupled with our learning. Now, if we had a bad experience, (laughs) we just don't want to remember. (laughs) Right. What do we have learned? Right. You can actually sabotage the whole deal oh, yeah. by forcing things that they don't want to do. And it is, it's all about a balance and yeah. um, surrounding yourself by people who are going to support and encourage you um, and not compare, you know, I tell moms in some ways they need to put on blinders because mm-hmm. if you get on social media and you compare your homeschool to someone else's yeah, homeschool, never, yeah. That's a disaster. I remember I was on this like um, mom group and Mm -hmm. one mom was talking about how her children were fluent in Farsi. And my first response was, we're not fluent in Farsi. (laughs) I had to stop and say, wait a minute, you know, a lot of self-talk there. You never set out to teach your children Farsi. That wasn't part of your program. Why are you feeling deflated by this that's you know and come to find out this mom her children were really struggling with some of their math nobody puts that on no 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 yeah everybody put on their best to right best uh, what best face right yeah so yeah yeah you don't you don't see their struggle you don't see yeah right but everybody struggles. It's normal. And that would be the other message I would give to moms is take a deep breath and you've got this. You can do this. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, this we really got to be careful about social media. I mean, social media, there's a right way to use it. There is also a wrong way to use it. Exactly. Yeah, it has to be mindful of that. Oh, wonderful. Great. So now I like to switch gear a little bit about the, I know you're involved uh, with the legislature in some way. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's your take now? What's your observation so far about, uh, especially those two bills, um, SB 17 and HB 1134. 
and uh, the before that they had the uh, SB I think one four seven that got killed, uh, and and now the HB eleven thirty four is got hit. Uh, right. Uh, so so what's your take on that? I have a couple of thoughts. I know that there's a lot of pushback from people in education, and some of that is coming from people who have ill designs mm -hmm. for the children. I firmly believe there are people behind the scenes who are pushing an agenda that is very harmful to children. And parents are being stonewalled. We saw that all in the last two years right. where parents were just asking for information and were being treated as if they had no right to any information about what was happening with their children. Mm -hmm. We know that we've moved to... Um, state standards instead of books and curriculum that can come home. And so parents aren't seeing what their children are learning. And there's a huge rift in trust between parents and teachers. Mm -hmm. um, now, I will say that there are some things that are in those bills that I probably wouldn't support. Mm -hmm. um, but I know where they're coming from. And that is that Parents just want to know what their children are learning. Right. And they want to be able to pull their children from lessons that would be, they feel are harmful to them. Um, that children are being exposed to books that are absolutely harmful to them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's coming from. The problem when it gets to the, the legislature is that it gets muddy, right? Right, right. Um, and I'm, unfortunately, I feel like in some cases that might be intentional. So they add on amendments that the people who were rooting for the bill in the first place now say, well, that is absolutely not what we wanted. Mm -hmm. We don't support it. And right. then it, it dies and then nothing happens. Right, so right. That's where I feel like, unfortunately, we are. So, um, so you think that's a tactic they use? I do. Okay. I That may it not be fair to all it of the legislatures, legislators out there, but I do. I think that they come through with the bill knowing that if say if it starts in the house, knowing that it's just gonna die in committee in the Senate. And then they can go back to their constituents and say, well, I voted for it, it passed the house, it just didn't make it in the Senate. Well, that's probably by design. Wow. So, um, that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why, I mean, uh, I now came to the realization that uh, there won't be much done, uh, sub substantially done in this uh, in this year until we got some new people uh, into the state house. Right, mm -hmm. and that's proving to be difficult as well. So I don't know if you are aware, but there was a hearing. I think it's going on right now. Right today, yeah. Um, so in the Indiana Constitution. The only requirement to run for state legislature is that you be a United States citizen, that you've lived in the district for a year and that you're 21 years old. Right. Last year, um, the Republicans actually put an amendment on a voting bill that made additional requirements. And those are either that you voted in two primaries for that political party or that your party chairperson in your county 
approves you to run. Mm -hmm. So we have situations, there are 29 challenges to people who are being candidates. And of those, I think 17 are Republicans and they are being challenged because something has happened to their voting records and they can't prove that they voted in a primary. So when you leave the voting booth, you get a sticker, right? You don't get any type of a certified right, right, right. Yeah. receipt mm. that you were there. So if the county clerk, something goes wrong with your records, you can't prove. Right. And if the county chairperson doesn't want you to run against an incumbent or an established person, they can either not approve your candidacy or challenge your candidacy and that's keeping some people who would have, um, I feel more of a conservative approach to government from actually being there. So we'll see how today goes. Right, yeah, exactly, me too. I'm kind of waiting on that. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I experienced uh, uh, how the GOP establishment uh, trying to, um, you know, to prohibit uh, uh, people to run in primary. Uh, about, this is, uh, I think, 2020. Uh, I was, uh, I don't know if you know uh, John Schmidt. He has a, a show called The uh, Mouse Wash. Oh, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So he, uh, he was uh, trying to run um, in primary, but uh, uh, he couldn't get uh, approval uh, oh. by the Marian uh, GOP. Um, uh, so, uh, so he later on, he, he decided to run as an independent, mm -hmm. but running as independent, you need, uh, uh, I think at 4,000, some, uh, uh, some, uh, uh, what do you call that? You need to have, uh, signatures. Mm -hmm. You need to collect like 4,000 signatures. So I was helping him to collect signatures and we collected uh, a little over 6,000. Oh. But then uh, when they go through, uh, they they just like took out more than 2,000. And so so he didn't meet that uh, uh, threshold. So he mm -hmm. couldn't even run as independent. So I mean, he was uh, every step, uh, the GOP establishment uh, trying to block him. Well, you have to wonder when we have a supermajority in our legislature, how we have yet to do any type of right. legislation that is effectively protecting kids in schools from indoctrination. We can't seem to push that forward. We can't seem to get the protection for girls who want to participate right. in sports. Um, we can't close this loophole that allows educators and libraries to provide explicit material to children. So it, it really does become sort of puzzling as to why, if we have a supermajority, we can't make some of these very common sense legislative issues pass that would protect children in our state. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I think we're still under emergency, right? Yes. And uh, I know John Jacob and uh, uh, Kurt Nicely. Kurt Nicely, they're trying to um, 
you know, to have the legislatures to overturn that, but that never, uh, uh, never got any uh, tractions. Um, yeah, which is sad. I mean, this is a, think about a Republican majority and we still have the emergency order. I mean, some other state, they, they left that, I mean, even they are not like democratic controlled states, they left the, 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 the emergency. So right. Right. And unfortunately, I think that's all linked to money. Yeah. That if we have this in place, then we get certain amounts of federal right. funding. Right. Yeah. And, and that goes to another issue that really the government was never meant to be a piggy bank. No. Um, but people are relying on the government for all kinds of social issues that the government really was never established no. to address. No, no. So, but now we're hooked on that and our, um, I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Right, yeah. And also like uh, we, uh, uh, we have, a, what's, what's the, her title? The, the DEI, chief DEI officer or something like that in our state house. Mm -hmm. And she actually uh, got paid more than the, the governor. So we have that. I mean, it's actually on the first floor. Uh, she has a, a big office there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's wrong in, in many levels. Right. Uh -huh. right. And, and then we have the uh, also DEI uh, officers in um, many uh, school corporations, like Kamo Clay and other schools. So that's an excellent point. Um, as, as part of my, I, I work part-time as a writer and I have some clients who are in the machinery business mm -hmm. and they're having a lot of trouble finding young people who are interested in moving into trades. Right. And part of the issue there is that we've taken out classes like shop right. in schools because we don't have enough money and yet if you look at the trends in education in the last two decades, the amount of administrative overhead oh, yeah, is huge. Has been raised exponentially. And you have diversity, equity, and inclusion yeah. officers. You have all kinds of top-heavy administrative staff, very little support for the actual instruction for the students. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're spending a lot more money and we're getting drastically um, disastrous result. Right, exactly. I mean, if you think, if you're really concerned about uh, children and about their academics, you mm -hmm. should hire someone, you know, competent, right? Uh, math teachers or, or good language teachers, but not DI officers. Right. Yeah, it's just like right. totally wrong. And, and also the whole social emotional learning, the whole uh, comprehensive sex education. It's just like, I mean, I, I think to the point, I, I, I have to come to the conclusion that they did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. They are trying to harm the children. Mm -hmm. Not that what we have now, the mass we have now, I don't think is by accident. Mm -hmm. it's, it's because uh, someone failed uh, uh, our, our education is someone actually succeeded in um, in making our education so bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because now they can easily um, 
like they said, they, they wanted to produce uh, social activists. Mm-hmm. And now you become fertile ground, right? Because those, those kids, they don't have a really life skill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's easy to make them believe that they are the victims of the society mm-hmm. and that they are entitled. I mean, even they are uh, have the moral high ground to go out to, to riot and to destroy, you know. Right. So we've really lost that crucial ability to do critical thinking um, for our children. And I teach a writing class as part of a co-op. And I use a book that was published in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. But I use it because it is hands down the best book that I have found that teaches kids to come up with a stated opinion and be able to develop pros and cons and really think through the issue and work on persuasion while acknowledging that the opposing side has valid points. We've lost that. Children don't know how to think critically. No, you're definitely not. And uh, this is something I'm familiar because uh, my experience growing up in China during the Cultural Revolution, you are being you had to follow certain narratives. Mm-hmm. And if, if you are different from that, then you must be a bad person. Right. And that's what uh, uh, the, kid, I mean, the kids are hearing in public school, mm-hmm. right? You have to think in a certain way. If, if not, you are the racist, you are the white supremacist, you are whatever, right? Right, and I wish that we could help our children to learn that when someone starts calling you a name, that's the very first sign that they don't have a reasoned argument. Yeah, they don't have an argument. They're resorting to name calling as compared to having a strong position. Yeah. So, and again, that's where full circle back to homeschooling. Right. You can give that to your children and help them to have, um, to learn those critical thinking skills that equips them and, and that was one of our goals with our kids was to give them the tools they needed to be independent learners. Right, exactly. And that is one of those very, very important tools is to start thinking critically, to think about the background of the person who's providing the information. Is there a reason that they're saying things the way that they are? Is there another agenda? What could that be? Um, right. Is what they're saying true and valid based on my personal experience or on facts that I've observed in the world? And if not, how do I formulate a response to that that is reasoned? Um, that's super important and that is not happening. No, not, not in our school anymore. I mean, um, uh, I believe that the public schools are doing more harm than good. And all too many instances, yes. And I will say, my sister is a teacher. She's a wonderful teacher. Mm -hmm. It is not every classroom. It is not every school. But it's happening enough that it is definitely a concern. And, you know, you really just have to look at their test scores to see that the um, quality and the rigor of the education has gone down dramatically. This is not, you know, um, helping our children. Right. Not, not, yeah. Next, last year, uh, the, the state average is less than 30%, mm-hmm. uh, less than one third. Uh, people actually will uh, um, 
up to the, the grid level. Right. And that has dropped from like 70 or 80% down to that level in just a very short amount right. of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, we, we, somehow we have a kind of no time uh, in the past 10 years. Right. Go, going down. And, and, and then they still push uh, social emotional learning because their sell point is that social immersion learning can help kids' academic achievement. Right. Well, <laughs> well, let's just stop. Only in the government do we reward failure with more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we get put more money to do social emotional learning. Right. Yeah. That's just not a great idea. And and the idea that um, standards and high academic achievement is somehow racist is right. so yeah. harmful to kids who are, um, that's their, to say that we're not gonna, you know, do college prep classes anymore because these kids feel like they can't achieve that. No, 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 no come no, no. alongside those children right. and help raise them up to that level and that standard. Exactly, it is totally wrong. I mean, because they're basically saying uh, Mario Crossley mm-hmm. is a white supremacist, is a white, right. That is totally wrong <laughs> because so far I know many, you know, uh, Chinese Americans and mm-hmm. Indian Americans, all the immigrants, we, we become su- successful is because meritocracy, mm-hmm. uh, because we, we worked hard, right? It's and not- that can happen in the United States better than, or it used to be true that it happened in the United States better than any place else. That's why we have something called the American dream. Right. We don't have the French dream. We don't have the Russian dream. We have the American dream. People are lining up to come in to this country and to take advantage of all of the opportunities that our freedom has afforded us. And that's why I think it's so important to defend that. Exactly. And and people who you're seeing who were never involved politically are getting involved because we don't want that to die. Right, yeah, it's like the the recall in California uh, of the school board, uh, San Francisco, sorry. And that was allowed by Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of them, are Democrats, mm-hmm. yeah, because they I mean right now we just have this vocal uh, extreme left uh, mm-hmm. people are uh, kind of basically are running our education mm-hmm. and also being you know, away at the mainstream media. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, well, thank you so much. I mean, yeah. I really enjoying our conversation and. Uh, uh, I hope we can do more uh, in the future. I would love that. Um, just anything we can do to help equip parents right. to be better parents and to help educate their children. I'm all in. Let's do it. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.